is Scroll, a University Fellowship Church podcast. My name is Chris Moore. We get together about twice a week, and we chew on God's Word, and then we bring the contents of that discussion to you, hopefully to encourage and edify you as you walk to serve your King. This week, we have Sean Duncan in with us. Hey, yo. Hello, Sean. What's up? You're back. I'm back. Every week, I'm like, I'm going to run him off. He's not coming back <laughs> next time. No, I'm just kidding. Um it's always encouraging to hear from you. You're in Matthew. Yep. You're going through Sermon on the Mount. So we usually do this. Give us a little bit of recap because there's usually some time between these episodes. Yes. So Matthew 5 to Matthew chapter 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus long as recorded teaching. Um, he is teaching. He's preaching to his disciples, those who have come to him. And he starts off by blessing them. Before he tells them anything to do, the first thing he tells his disciples is, you're blessed. Not because of who they are, not because of what they've done, but because they're his disciple. So he blesses them. He gives them new identity of salt of the earth and light of the world. Then Jesus speaks about himself, about how he is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. He is bringing the Old Testament to to its completion. He's not getting rid of it. He's not starting something new. Um, so he takes what maybe has been used on a surface level, like Old Testament laws, and he pushes them deep into the heart and he shows the true meaning. And now um, he has turned from talking about the law in himself, the Old Testament in himself, and now he's talking about just practices of the kingdom or what we might think of as spiritual disciplines. So there's this tension that every Christian uh, or follower of Jesus exists in, which is, um, uh, well, on one hand, I know Jesus said that I am the light of the world and I'm supposed to let my light shine before others so that they may see my good works so that they would give glory to my father who is in heaven. And on the other hand, I know that Jesus said, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them for then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. So what do I do? <laughs> so that's where we're at. That up, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So that's where we're at. So, he has given. He just gave a warning at the beginning of chapter six. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. He doesn't say don't practice righteousness before other people. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't say don't practice righteous righteousness. He just says beware of practicing it before other people in order to be seen by them. Mm-hmm. So, um, really, it's a chapter about motivation. Like this whole chapter, like you could probably look through each thing and think about what is the motivator for the action. So. He's addressing three practices, things that he just assumes these people were doing, uh, being. Um, people who have grown up in the Israelite faith and now are following him as as Lord and Savior. He addresses um, giving to the needy, which we talked about last week. He talks about pray, praying, which we're going to talk about today. And then uh, next time uh, he talks about um, fasting. These aren't like the only spiritual disciplines out there. Uh, I think they're just like case studies, like things that people are doing. And he assumes that they are doing and things that they should do. And he's just talking about how to do them. So mm-hmm. not what to do, but how to do it. Today, we're going to look at prayer. It's a big passage, but I think we can do it in a short amount of time, lo and behold. So I'm going to have you read it. Sound good? I'm ready. So it's Matthew uh, chapter 6, verses 5 through 15. Take it away. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, 
and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Great job. I am uh, semi-literate. And that was only the seventh take. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) We got a lot to unpack here. Yes. Um, So just um, some quick structural things. There are two sections here. Um, There's one about private prayer and one about public prayer. So look at verse five. It says, and when you pray. Look at Mm -hmm. verse seven. And when you pray. Mm -hmm. Um, Verses five through six. Is contrasting the hypocrite with how you should actually pray, while verses seven and following are contrasting the Gentile with how you should pray. Mm. Um, so it's it's two instructions, um, not just one. And I think that's helpful because I, I've heard people just reference it and be like, "Well, God says I should pray in secret, like in, in behind closed doors," and that's like their motivation for not praying in a small group oh, circle. I'm like, well. That is part of the instruction, but then there's also the corporate, the the public praying, and, and just think about how. Look at verse nine. He says, "Pray then like this: Our Father in heaven." If you were praying by yourself in your room, would you start your pray prayer as "Our Father"? No, you <laughs> would say you would say "Father" or "My Father." Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it assumes a diverse crowd in that sec that with the Lord's prayer in the mm-hmm. second part. So. I think that's helpful to see. Yeah. Um, and then he, con- so he contrasts um, two different groups, the hypocrites with how you should, and then the Gentiles with how you, sh- how you should. The hypocrites um, is we're assuming are, are Israelites, are, are Jews. So the Pharisees and the scribes, most right. likely ones who are putting on a show, but then the Gentiles are those who are non-Israelite. So maybe just a, a Greco Roman citizen, someone who has, um, maybe someone who's from Egypt or, or maybe someone who's just from the Roman empire somewhere along and they have a pantheon of gods, but they still pray. Right. Um, so let's just look at the two things that they do. So first, um, the hypocrite, you must not be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues. So inside the Jewish community and at the street corners, like just in the public squares that they may be seen by others. So why do they love to stand and pray? So that they can be seen. Right. That's why they love to pray. Um, truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Hey, if you love being seen for praying, stand up and pray. People will see you. you you've received your reward. Yeah. But you haven't received access to, to the God who hears, mm-hmm. which is a much cooler. I feel like there's a return on investment <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so verse six, but when you pray, Go in your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Very familiar words to what we talked about last time with mm-hmm. the giving. Um, so so both of these, the hypocrite prays in the synagogue and the street corners to be seen by others um, or you could be seen by God. Mm-hmm. And just like you said, one of those has a better return on investment. Um, if I just pray to be seen by my peers, all I really get is like, maybe like a, an applaud once in a while from the religious person, but then like a lot of like, you're a kind of weird person, you know, yeah. type of thing. <laughs> but if I pray to God, I am seen by him mm-hmm. and God can do more in five seconds than I could ever do in five years. Definitely a better investment. Yeah. Uh, and what I'll receive from that exchange is better than the first exchange. So that's the first contrast. Second contrast 
is when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Mm-hmm. So the the Gentile practice, basically in the Greco-Roman world, was that the the gods in the pantheon that you had to appease them with how you approach them. So that's why a sacrifice would be made so that the God can eat and then maybe would answer your prayers or you do some sort of like religious practice at the, at the altar system with a cult prostitute so that maybe um, the, the deities will make your crops grow this year. Yeah. Or you have a very waxing and eloquent sentence. And if you pray the right way, it's almost like an incantation, like where you're summoning a deity to act on your behalf. Mm-hmm. Um, this one feels more practical for us yeah. of about like yeah. the words you, you say it, guess what? Um, God's first language is not English, you I know? Don't, don't <laughs> so it's like, it's like, all right, it. you're not like tapping into some sort of like mystical language. If you, if you say all the right theological paradigms, Oh, our father, where art thou up in the heavens <laughs> as sovereign King? Like those are all true things. But yeah. if you're saying that because you think it'll make, God listen to you and answer you. You're being like the Gentiles. So I love how Jesus addresses it because he doesn't say, man, you guys are so stupid because that's my like tension. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's why like, he says, he says, do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Mm-hmm. It, it, like he comforts the person because like, wh- all right, so why do we, why do we use puffed up words? Cause we're scared. Right. Like we're worried that this person this this god in heaven won't listen to us mm-hmm. and jesus comforts your fear by saying don't worry about it. like your father father not mm-hmm. not your god your father who's in heaven knows what you need before you even ask him and so it's like you don't have to convince him of your needs right he knows yeah he knows so um it just like takes the stress and the burden off off of you uh, of trying to be polished to try and convince god god loves you God knows you and he knows your needs. So just approach him and talk to him. Yeah. So yeah, that's it, the comfort. It seems like there's a contrast of this uh, personified being versus a mechanism that we can operate with the right quarters. Mm-hmm. We just get the right words, the right cadence, the right whatever. And I've met people who, you know, who said, wow, you, um, I, I just feel like I can't pray well enough or, or I don't have the right words, or you mm-hmm. know, when so and so prays, it just kind of rolls mm-hmm. out naturally. Yeah, and I think, I mean, a child doesn't doesn't come to me waxing eloquent. Yeah, to accomplish what they want. You know. Yeah, I can think. So, um, you know, I used to do youth ministry, and I there was a handful of youth that I got to take from like being eighth graders all the way through graduating high school, which was really fun. And there were a few of them who I remember like there was two different groups. There was this one group that like they would really try to like, pray these waxing eloquent prayers mm-hmm. as seniors. And it always just felt like hollow and bleak. I was like, ah, oh, like, I mean, what you're saying is good, but just, like, it doesn't feel like you. And then there was these other ones who, when they would pray, I mean, rich theology, just like, Oh my gosh, like did they write that out? Yeah. Like it was so good. And, and I was like, no, it was, that was just like what was permeating and bubbling up from their hearts. Like they they had just, fallen so in love with God and who he is and grown in their knowledge of, of, of a right view of the triune God of Israel that they just couldn't help, but like speak that way about him. Um, so this also isn't a warning like to, 
don't use theological words. You mm-hmm. can use theological terms, but, but just remember, if we're thinking theologically, Ro- Romans 8 says that the, the Spirit of God intercedes for us, it, it, groaning with eager longing for us and groaning on our behalf. The Spirit intercedes in your prayers because most of the time you're saying dumb things anyways. <laughs> yeah, and what good. we have is the Spirit who indwells us, who who prays on our behalf even when we don't know what to pray for. So, so when you sit there um, in, in a posture of prayer and you're like, I don't know what to pray for, Lord. The spirit of God himself is praying for you. Mm-hmm. And then we have have the son of God, uh, God, the son, Christ seated at the right hand of God, who is constantly interceding for you. Mm-hmm. So the reason your prayer is heard is not because you have good things to say or because you make your <laughs> request the right way, but it's because uh, because the, the suffering servant who was crucified and resurrected on our behalf sits at the right hand of the father and constantly intercedes for our good and our well-being. Mm-hmm. So the, the spirit of God, constantly prays for us to God the Father. God the Son constantly intercedes for us, hearing this the prayer of the Spirit and hearing our own prayers and intercedes on our behalf to the Father. And the Father hears and answers those prayers because mm-hmm. uh, he sent the Son and the Son sent the Spirit. So it's like this, this entire system of why our prayer is even heard is because of the Father's planning. Right. So theologically, all the confidence in the world as a follower of Jesus, washed by the blood to pray. Yeah. If but, that if that doesn't just completely uh, deflate the immense pressure when you come to the Lord, I don't know what will. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was talking about this with our college leaders, and, and we spent like an hour talking about mm-hmm. prayer in this context. And then eventually a leader was like, because, you know, we're supposed to pray without ceasing, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. And Because I was talking about, like, we're, yeah, you actually are, as a follower of Jesus, praying without ceasing because um, the Spirit indwells and prays mm-hmm. without ceasing. You are aligning yourself with the spirit in, in those moments when you really are praying without ceasing. And this one leader was like, wait, so we don't, we don't have to pray. <laughs> that, yeah. And, I've heard that question. And I before. was like, yes, mm-hmm. we don't have to pray. Mm-hmm. And it was like this weight lifted off of people's shoulders. And then our prayer time was probably the best, one of the best prayer times I've had with leaders. Yeah. Cause all of a sudden when, when you're freed from the burden of, oh, I have to pray. When you realize you get to pray, mm-hmm. it just changes everything. Totally. And you're free. And that's what Jesus is doing right here. Like he's freeing you from this burden when he says, don't be like them. Your father already knows what you need before you ask him. Mm-hmm. So then he does instruct on public prayer. Because like we should pray in public. And he gives what's famously known as the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the uh, little head- heading even in the ESV. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... Uh, it breaks down. The first two verses are God focused. Second two verses are man focused. So first it addresses, it's a proper addressing of God. Who are you praying to? Mm-hmm. Um, what is your desire for um, this God, our father to do? And then what about like for me? So first two verses our father in heaven. So you have both personal and imminent language of father like that's close like mm-hmm. we're pretty close right now if you have never been to chris's office uh, our knees are touching <laughs> our knees are touching <laughs> i'm just kidding um but um closeness but then in heaven so you have both like this imminence and transcendence where, where god is close to you but he is also greater than you and mm-hmm. he is other than you is it hallowed be your name like, like halloween no um <laughs> hallowed uh, it just means to be set apart 
Mm-hmm. Um, so holy be your name and your, God's name is his reputation. So uh, the first desire is that God's reputation would be um, seen as holy and um, revered as holy. A, a lot of the reasons why God acts all throughout the Old Testament, he says, is for his name's sake. Like the reason why exile happens is for God's name's sake. Mm-hmm. The reason why he brings them back from exile is for his name's sake. Like he is acting on behalf of his glory. Yeah. And God's glory is our good. Mm-hmm. So he's first and foremost acting on his behalf, the name on the behalf of his name. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it's this prayer for God's um, constant invasion of creation where um, his will, um, and not like his hidden will, because everything that's happening is according to God's hidden will, but this is about God's um, moral and revealed will mm-hmm. that that would become the, the the standard more and more in in the world around us. Uh, how how great would it be if if people were more loving and more kind and murdered each other less and hated <laughs> each other less? You know, you know things like that. Like yeah. that is God's kingdom um, in heaven coming on earth. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's the the start of the prayer. You're desiring God's revealed will to become evident all around you. Then verses 11 to 13 are man-centered and they're all in the plural us. So give us, forgive us, lead us, deliver us. Mm. So the first give us daily bread. There's just like basic provisions that you need every morning. You can wake up and you, if you're about to go out to your kitchen and you have a bowl of cereal, you can, you can pray, God, give me my cereal today. Mm-hmm. because God really did give you that cereal. He did it providentially through the means of wheat fields and then harvesters and then processors and, and plants and factories who then added a ton of sugar to it <laughs> <laughs> and then packaged it and sent it to a grocery store and someone put it on the shelf. And all of that is happening according to the providence of God. Mm-hmm. So you are not eating apart from the hand of God. Book of Ecclesiastes says that. <laughs> um, so give us daily provisions. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So not only do we have like daily need for for food, housing, clothing, we also have daily need for our debts against God, which is our sin to be forgiven. Um, And then as we also have forgiven our debtors, and we'll come back to that. This is the one time Jesus like explains a statement. Mm -hmm. Um, Verse 13, and lead us not into temptation. So if, if God providentially is leading each one of us in our day, it's our prayer. God, will you keep temptation from being in my path today? Because that would be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> There's a difference though between temptation and sin. Mm-hmm. So Jesus was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days, 40 nights. He did not sin though. Um, he has been tempted with everything that we have mm-hmm. except without sin. So every time temptation is put in your path, you have the choice either to fall into temptation or to take the exit that God gives you, the escape that God gives you. It says, and I believe it's first Corinthians, um, God gives an escape to every temptation and you can take that. That's just really hard work. Mm-hmm. You know what's easier? Just not having temptation that day. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a great prayer to to ask God to keep your life free from temptation. Mm-hmm. But if there is temptation, this is how it ends. But deliver us from evil or from the evil one. So mm-hmm. worst comes to worst, God, if if in your wisdom, you do place temptation before me, uh, but providentially, Will you deliver me from that evil and keep me from either falling into it or if I do fall into it because I'm a, a stupid sinner, yeah. <laughs> will you rescue me? Mm-hmm. Will you rescue me by the work of Christ? So that's the prayer. 
Mm-hmm. What a great prayer. Um, yeah. So he says, pray then like this. Does that mean we should pray this prayer specifically every day? Or is this a template? I think yes to both of those. I think we should pray the Lord's prayer. I think it's a great place to start. Um, and we should also use it as a template. So just like how I was kind of walking through it, like who am I praying to? I, I desire God to be revered as holy and for his um, revealed will to to manifest around me in this world. And I have daily needs. Um, I, I have daily regrets that I need forgiveness from. And I, I have um, I have daily decisions that I would prefer not to be um, intermixed with temptation. And when I do make mistakes, I need deliverance. So that's a great template also for prayer. But I think we should do both of those things. Um, and recognizing that this is a corporate prayer. Mm. It's a prayer meant to be prayed in the presence of other people. Yeah. So if we have a prayer life, that's only a private life. Then we have, we have a privatized faith. Mm-hmm. Your, your faith should be personal, but it shouldn't only be private. Right. It should also be public. Um, Jesus makes a little qualifying statement at the end. He said, because, because, you know, he mentioned that thing about forgiving debts and we forgive if people mm-hmm. are debts. He says, for if you forgive others, their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. I like the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> the, the rest was nice. I liked the whole like prayer stuff and being heard and yeah. the rewards. But this. Big fan of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, this is like a tough little passage. Yeah. Um, and it it's also really cool. So the first thing that makes it hard is it kind of sounds like um, my forgiveness is dependent or qualified by my own forgiveness for others. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Maybe not. Right. Like that's the question. Some, yeah. some camps say, no, no, no. If, if you forgive, if you're the one who forgives people, then mm-hmm. as a, like a consequence or, a, or a follow up to that, then God will forgive you. Um, other camps say, well, no, 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 no. If you're forgiven by God, you become a forgiving person. Mm-hmm. And if you don't forgive people, you haven't experienced forgiveness. Therefore, God's not going to forgive you in the first place. So even forgiveness, the forgiveness of God is both a um, past tense thing for the Christian and a future tense thing for the, for the Christian. So we are forgiven of all of our sin, past, present, and future, the moment we place our faith in Jesus, the Lord and Savior. Um, but forgiveness is the releasing of a debt. Mm-hmm. And so the releasing of the debt happens the day that we stand before the judge, which is a future day. And that's the day that, you know, to put it into our terms, like the gavel will bang and the judge will say, you are not guilty. Mm-hmm. That's when we're forgiven. We are forgiven. So that future reality is applied to us in the present because of the past work of Christ. Um, but we're still awaiting that day of forgiveness where our debt is canceled. In the meantime, though, um, if we really are forgiven, we forgive others. And and in the book of Matthew, right? So the Sermon on the Mount Jesus gave this sermon, but the sermon is being recorded by Matthew, the disciple, in his book, which is one literary unit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is probably shorter than Jesus' actual sermon. Like He probably preached longer than this. So this is like a reduced version of it because um, Matthew, the author, has has woven the entire story together in such a way where you'll get clarity as you keep going. And then you can like read back into it. So when we get to Matthew 19, Jesus tells the um, parable of the unforgiving servant who is forgiven of this 
huge debt, like yeah. billions of dollars worth of debt. And then he goes back home and this di- guy owes him like, like a thousand bucks. And the, the guy starts groveling. He's like, will you please forgive me my debt after he just got forgiven like billions of dollars. Yeah. And he like hits him upside the head and starts choking. He, he, he says, you, he says, you sinner, give me my money. Mm-hmm. And the king catches wind of this. And he says, you wicked servant. Mm-hmm. I forgave you of so much and you will not forgive your, your own friend. Neither do I forgive you. And he throws him in prison. Yeah. So like having that in mind, when we read this too, the, the person who is forgiving um, becomes a forgiving person. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, they have not actually received the forgiveness. Mm-hmm. They've been offered it, but not, re- mm-hmm. they have not received it. So that's how I work through that passage. It's still yeah. hard and it's challenging and it should make you question every time, have I been forgiven? Mm-hmm. Do I see forgiveness in myself or am I too stubborn to offer forgiveness to someone else? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great indicator of where your heart's at when yeah. you are harboring that against people. This could be semantics. So okay. let's run right through it if it is. Love it. Uh, he says, as we also have forgiven mm-hmm. our debtors, mm-hmm. it's a past tense statement. Yep. Is that semantics or is that? Uh, it is a past tense statement. So this is a daily prayer. Mm-hmm. So each day you you pray, God, forgive us our debts because you continue to make those mistakes. Yeah. Forgive us our continued mistakes against you, our sins against you, as we also have forgiven our debtors because, you know, so I'm living, um, experiencing this forgiveness. I'm continuing to forgive people, trusting that I'm forgiven. Mm-hmm. But in my trust, I've been forgiven. I'm trusting that God will continue to forgive me. Mm. So if that answers your question. Cyclical. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. So to just like put it all, put a bow on all this. (laughs) It's two sections on prayer Mm -hmm. about how you should pray. Not that you you should or what you should pray, but about how you should pray. You should pray Mm -hmm. because you have access to the Father who is in heaven, who knows your needs. When you pray, you should have a private prayer life and a public prayer life when you pray privately your motivation is that you are seen by god the father and he hears you and he answers you that's your motivation Um, when you pray publicly uh, when you pray you do not have to impress people around you with your words um, your sentence grammar or even your syntax or or semantics Mm -hmm. uh, is not what makes god hear you either uh, so you should um, just be simple with God, whether you're behind closed doors or with a group of people and be honest and ask for the things that are actually needed. Things like the food you're going to eat today, the forgiveness of the sins that you've committed um, to be um, freed from the presence of temptation. And if temptation comes to be delivered from evil, which you can't deliver yourself from evil mm-hmm. and you must depend on the righteousness of Christ to do that for you. Yeah. So good. So good. Uh, thank you for unpacking Jesus' prayer here and his instructions. Prayer is, I've heard referred to as breathing for the believer. Mm. I don't remember who I'm quoting that from, some old dead guy, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, that it should be a part of our lives and not one without baggage. Yeah. So texts like this can be a real source of comfort and instruction for yeah. us when we're struggling with that. So yeah. Thanks for doing that with us. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. We will get you guys on the flippity flop. Get you on the flippity flop. (laughs) 
Well, thanks for listening. Thank you to our guests for coming and sharing what they've been chewing on in God's Word. We produce these podcasts and release them twice a week, so please subscribe so you don't miss out on one. And don't forget, love God, love your neighbor, and make disciples.